This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. We have kind of a a historic day for Emmaus today, and I've I've already spoiled it for a lot of people. Um, But in the first time in Emmaus' history, first time ever, we have our own kid space that we can decorate and put stuff in for like permanent, yes. <laughs> um, just the, I mean, the, uh, the how we stumbled across this space and the things that God has worked out for our church in this space has been such a huge blessing. Whether it's um, our relationship with the people who we share it with has been really wonderful. Been super thankful for them. Um, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was. Uh, it was telling um, when I shared with them that Alex had passed. They were visibly upset. I mean, that's like that's how much affection that the people who work here have for the GC that shows up here on Tuesday night. As they were like, they knew and they were close. So I mean, that's that's a that's a huge blessing and and something that in Emmaus's history we haven't always had the easiest relationship with the people who are in the space. So so it was, it was just awesome to see that the impact that Alex and even the GC that meets here on Tuesday has had on the people who work here and the relationship that's been a very, very positive one for them. And while they were setting up, they're giving us the, the space and some of the things that were going on in there, they were like, well, we're planning on building a wall here and doing this. So if you guys want to use like that as a classroom and like a nursery over here, we'll, we're, they're like already looking ahead for how we can use the space uh, better with them. Um, so that's a, that's a huge encouragement. And I know a lot of you guys have been praying for that relationship there. And it's, been, it's just been really wonderful. So I wanted to encourage you guys with that. Um, Kind of another uh, less related thing, as we go through our sermon series, uh, we're about to, this morning we're going to wrap up uh, the sixth I am statement, and then next week Ben is going to preach on the uh, final I am statement, uh, I am the vine, I'm the true vine, and then we're going to have Good Friday, Uh, we're going to have a Good Friday service, we're still working out some of the details of that, and then Cole uh, is going to preach on Sunday Uh, on John chapter 20 about the resurrection. Um, Oh, actually, I skipped one Sunday, which is, I did, thank you. Arwen's like, no, that's coming up too fast. (laughs) Um, Then I skipped one Sunday because it's another kind of unique thing for Emmaus. There's the connection. Um, We have someone coming to visit who is going to be a missionary in West Africa that Emmaus is is probably going to support in one way, shape, or form. So we thought it would be really cool to have this missionary, this missionary show up and meet all of you. Um, so we're probably we're planning like a little brunch. Uh, he's going to preach, and then gives you guys a chance to meet and greet and get to know him. Uh, all the leadership family is going to go out with him the Friday before. So that's on April 10th. So just kind of another cool thing. It's nice to see like I mean the number of the number of covenant members meetings. Someone who will be unnamed, um, maybe because it's a few people, raise their hand and ask about international missions because people just have a heart for how can even our small church be involved in spreading the gospel overseas and places outside the country. And so through a handful of random little connections, um, we connected with a gentleman named Joel, um, and maybe it's less random. I went to high school with him. Um, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, so... 
he has some funny stories, and I'm happy to uh, to let you guys get to know him a little bit. Uh, it'll think it'd be a great opportunity, uh, even for our church in the future, as we've sort of talked to him about it, potential service opportunities for us to partner with the church that's sending him and potentially send someone out there to do some like short-term mission work or something like that. I'm getting way ahead, but it's but it's uh, getting way ahead. But it's it's kind of a neat thing that God has sort of brought not only the space, a uh, chance for us to have a kids' room. We have international missions, and those are all just like all encouraging things to me. Uh, so I wanted to share some of those things with you. Um, so let me pray, and then we'll jump into uh, John chapter 13 and also into 14 and look at Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have revealed such wonderful things about yourself. Lord, I thank you that you are, I was thinking about last week, you're deeply moved when your family and your sheep suffer and even when you're using those things to grow our faith in you, Lord. Lord, I pray as we look at what you have to say to your disciples before before you go to the cross, Lord, I pray that we would be honest and open with our hearts and the things that trouble us and we would bring those troubles to you and that we would ultimately learn to trust and rest in the reality that you are the way, you are the truth, you are all the life we need. So help us see that in your word this morning and encourage us uh, with the good, wonderful, and beautiful gospel of your son. In your name I pray, amen. amen. All right, so my outline this morning is, is fairly simple. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about trouble and trust, trouble and trust. And I think if uh, I surveyed 10 people, uh, 10 people in that survey would say, there are things that trouble me. And, and sometimes I'm one of those guys where if I'm not troubled by something, that troubles me. Because <laughs> <I'm>, I <laughs> just like, <laughs> so, so, so there, there are a varying degree of things in our life that, that trouble us. Um, from the absurd, being troubled that you're not troubled by anything, to the, to the tragic, and to the, the stressful, or the, the sorrowful, or I just don't know. There's all these things that sort of trouble us. And this is a really good, I, I love the, the context of this. So John has been telling us from the very beginning, Jesus is the one who makes the Father known. And we've kind of gone back to that in, uh, in the first chapter. Jesus makes the Father known. He, uh, he is the light of the world. He's the one that illuminates everything that is good and beautiful and true. He's the one that reveals God to us so that we could worship and stand in awe. And so he's been revealing all these things about who he is and about his character all the way through the book of John to crowds, to, to Pharisees who are kind of missing the boat. And we've, we've been able to sort of poke fun at them a little bit, but also self-reflect. Um, so we, this whole time, he's been revealing all these things about who he is because he's showing us who our creator is. He's showing us who God is. And so now he's in this situation with his closest group of disciples, and it's, he's, he's at their last meal that he, he desires to celebrate with them, and he's been saying some, some sort of troubling things leading up to this. Look at uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 27. Look at what Jesus says 
Jesus says, now, my, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Amen. So if you're Jesus' disciples, in, a, in the last kind of thing that we looked at, they were worried about going back to Jerusalem because the leaders were, were about to, were like desired openly to arrest him and destroy him. And Jesus kind of corrected his disciples and was like, hey, it's not time yet. Don't stress about it. And now here leading up to this last supper, this last meal that they were gonna share together, Jesus is saying, my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. So if you're the disciples, the guy that's been firm, the guy that's been on a mission, the guy that's saying, hey, calm down, he's now saying, my soul is troubled. And so you're having a dinner together. Jesus is, is talking about all kinds of things that some more encouraging and some more discouraging because he's, he's mentioning the reality of his death. He then washes the feet of his disciples. He humbles himself to the lowest of the low. And so much so, one of the disciples was like, whoa, you're the master. You're the one that we submit to. I don't want you to do this to me. This makes me really uncomfortable. And he says, I'm showing you how I love so that you guys would love in the same way. He's doing this very humbling thing to teach his disciples something really important, that their life is meant to be marked by humility and love for others. And right when all this is going on, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and that one, and all of a sudden, Judas dips out. So one of the, the innermost 12, when he, when he said, someone's gonna betray me, all the disciples look around and they're like, who? They don't know. They're not like, oh, it's probably Judas. They're looking at each other like, well, who, is it me, Lord? They ask that. And John's close enough to Jesus to ask, and he says, the one who dips his morsel in, Judas, and he tells Judas to go. And they don't, at the time, they have no idea what Judas is going to do, except for maybe John and another disciple. So he goes to betray Jesus. After Jesus is saying his soul is troubled, after he's talking about his death, after he tells them how they're called to serve, and that's sort of where we pick up in chapter 13. This is like the situation that's going on. And I think we're gonna see that we're gonna see trouble in circumstances as the, as the, uh, the, the uh, apostles are sort of wrestling with all the things that are happening. And we're gonna sort of see trouble in our heart. Trouble in our circumstances and trouble in our heart. So let's start in verse 31 where he says, uh, John says, when he had gone out, Judas, that's who, who left out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. He's been saying this over and over again. He's been saying, I'm the one who reveals the Father. If, uh, if God is glorified, I am glorified. If I am glorified, God is glorified. He's just, he's just repeating to his disciples, his innermost group, this reality that everything that Jesus does is wrapped up in revealing who God is. And everything that God is is wrapped up in what Jesus is doing. So he's sort of just saying it in a, in a whole bunch of different ways. He's, he's like, I, you guys are my close disciples. It's, everyone's a little bit troubled right now. I, can, I said that my soul is troubled because my hour has come, the time has come. 
and he, and he said explicitly about his death. He says, everything I do is wrapped up in who God is. And then he says, verse 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Where I am going, you cannot come. These men have been with Jesus for like three years. Jesus is all of a sudden talking about his death, talking about how he's troubled, talking about how he's gonna glorify the Father and the things that he's doing, and he tells his most intimate friends, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. They're troubled. <laughs> They're a little bit stressed out about the change in circumstances. And we kind of see how they respond to that. But before Jesus, I think this is really fascinating because this is his like last night with his friends who I was talking to someone. They said, if I knew that I was having my last night with my friends, I think it was Ben was saying this, I would get a, a whole bunch of food and, and sort of party. Like the celebrating the Passover is a, is a wonderful way. And he says, I look forward to spending this meal with you. It's a wonderful way to gather with all your friends and to, to do something where we're, a meal that has specificity to it and in ways that we promote and honor God and like the things that we do and the, the things that we celebrate, the songs that we sing. So he's, he's got this like Passover celebration with his friends and he's telling them that he's going to leave and he's teaching them at the same time, he's teaching them some of the most important things that they could know. Some of the most important things that they could know. Which kind of reminds me, um, we, um, I mean, it's a little bit morbid, but Bridget's a very long-term planner. And so we, we anytime, like when, when someone, you know, we've had to deal with people passing away this year, sadly. But the number of times Bridget has been like, okay, just so you know, I have this 401k. These are my passwords for my laptop. Like she's just like reviewing all the things. If there's like something that just, she just disappears for a moment. She's like, you need to know these very important things. And I'm like, you know, if that happens, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to remember this conversation. But Jesus knows. He knows he's going away. And so he's like, I need to tell you like the most important things. I'm going away. So look what he tells them in verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Amen. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By all this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the most important thing you need to know, friends, before I go. I just got down on my hands and knees and washed your feet. Later, you're gonna realize I washed the feet of someone who betrayed me. And I've given, given myself. You're gonna understand this more. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. He talks about this later. But he's, he's hammering home this idea that you are to love the way I am to love. Amen. And you think about that. If you just take that seriously for a second, what does it mean to love like Jesus? It's not, it's troubling. Giving myself for the good of others at the cost of myself, that's troubling. Caring more for my brothers and sisters' preferences and treating them as more important than myself that's hard. That's like a troubling thing if we really like think what God is calling us to do. 
And so Jesus is, before he goes, he's, he's, he's kind of sharing some things with his friends that I think are legitimately troubling. He's like, there are some circumstances I am leaving and this is what I'm calling you to do. And I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's typical, maybe. Like Jesus is like, this is what I'm calling you to do. And Simon Peter raises his hands and he doesn't address that. He's like, hey, uh, um, the thing you said about leaving, can we talk about that? Look at what he says in verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I mean, you don't say that lightly. We don't know. I mean, it's, we, I feel like it's common to make fun of Peter and like how he puts his foot in his mouth and jumps into things and stuff. But I, I'm willing to say that this is a very troubling situation for them. And if Jesus is saying, I'm going, and they've been following him and, and friends with him for years, he, there's some genuineness in that. Lord, you're leaving. I'll, I'll follow you anywhere. When Jesus asked them earlier in the Gospels, who do you say that in? Where, where, or, or, my teaching is hard where you guys go somewhere else and they're like, where else would we go? You have the words of life. So that they have a degree of trust and, and love and care for Jesus and it's gotta be troubling that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm giving you this important teaching I want you to do. I mentioned that I'm leaving and Peter's like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. You're, you're going where? I'll die for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Ooh. How do you think that makes him feel inside? How do you think Peter feels about that? There is a lot, that's trouble in your heart. That rattles you. He's saying, I love you, Jesus. We just, you know, we just sang songs worshiping our Lord. Peter probably sang some of the Psalms with him in the Passover meal. And he looks at him and says, you're gonna bail on me. You're gonna bail on me. That's troubling when I say troubling in our heart, um, heart is sort of like the, the Bible's word to say my, the spiritual center of who I am. And someday we'll do this because it's really fascinating. If you just like pull up a concordance or you look up the word heart, um, it's also in Hebrew, it's like kidneys. You know, it's not, it's not trying to recognize an organ. It's like, like you're, you're, you're almost like your gut feeling or something that's like inside of you. The heart is sort of uh, the, the spiritual control center of everything else that goes on with you. Our emotions are affected by what's going on in our heart. Our thinking, our mind, our reasoning ability is affected by what's going on in our heart. Our physical actions, how we respond to things, how we physically move in scripture is connected to and, and rooted in things that are going on in our heart. Our, our heart is a good way to say the spiritual core of who I am that affects every part of me. 
my emotions, my desires, my thinking, my reactions to things. And we kind of know that there's a, there's this like deeper impact when people say certain things to us that trouble our hearts. And I think when Jesus looks at Peter, when the, when the disciples are seeing all of this like scary talk about him leaving or his death, or Jesus saying, my soul is troubled. They've got to have some anxiety, or maybe there was, uh, you know, depending on which apostle was, uh, which type personality type, maybe some of them are like, let's just have another drink, you know? <laughs> some, some of them are like, no, we need to deal with this now, you know? Like everyone kind of has like a different reaction to th- when, when our hearts are troubled. So they're there. Jesus has been sharing so much about who he is and who God is. So it makes sense, I think. It makes sense in what we've been learning about how much our God cares for us. What we've been learning about how he's so focused on on loving and caring for and raising up and building up his sheep and his people. It makes sense in the very moment that Jesus himself is troubled. He's troubled because he's not looking forward to taking on the full wrath of God, to drinking the cup empty so that he could love sinners and bring people to the Father. It it makes sense in all of the seriousness of the weight and the situation that's going on that Jesus would stop to comfort his friends. Jesus is about to take on the very wrath of God something that should be legitimately troubling. And he stops, and look at what he says in chapter 14, verse 1. He sees this and says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. And this word believe... I think we kind of throw it around a little bit. You know, my, my uh, mom told me about one of her neighbors, and she was like, when I talk to her about the gospel, and I say, like, Jesus died and rose again, she's like, oh, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but it has no bearing on her life. Like, it doesn't make any difference to her. Like, cool, that's true, awesome. Someone died and came back from the grave, and now we get to go to heaven, you know? And that she would kind of, my mom would sort of struggle with that a little bit. And I think we have this idea around believe that like someone just Googled something, you know, like, hey, I heard this fact and you Google it real quick. You're like, oh, okay, I believe you now. It's true, you know, <laughs> like, oh, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, hold on. Uh, yep, that's what happened. I believe that that's true. And, and there's an aspect of that. But when he says believe, it's the same word as faith. It's like, f- have faith in me. Um, I I. Uh, really like, maybe because it's so simple, trust. Trust me. And he's been kind of saying this throughout all the I am statements. He's saying, you have trouble. I'm trying to help you, friends. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to give you some, something to stand on so that you're not troubled in your circumstances. You're not troubled in your heart. So I say, trust in me. Trust in God. Like, rely on them. Rely on God. Rely on who I am. 
So how do we do that? If you have um, something troubling you, if there's a situation that's discouraging, my, I'd like to say, what's taking away my peace and my joy? That could be any number of things. How does it help then to say, okay then, rely on God. Trust in Jesus. Like it's almost a little cliche, right? Like, but, but we gotta take what Jesus is saying very seriously. He means this, and he's gonna go on to expand it. He's trying to help us and help his disciples who are in this very troubling circumstance, who are troubled in their heart, saying, I wanna help you trust in me. I want to help you really wrestle with what it means to trust or to rely on or to have a faith in God and have faith in me. Yes, Look at what he says. I think it's kind of Jesus to almost address the first thing that Peter was concerned about. Hey, we want to go. You know, I'm trying to teach you what I what. what you should do to reflect me when I leave and you still don't accept the fact that I leave. So before I get to the rest of the teaching, I'm actually gonna graciously engage this reality that I'm leaving and what's, what's gonna happen with that. And he says in verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go, I would not, or I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Amen. He's telling them, and he's been saying this through a handful of ways through the Gospel of John, and he'll, he'll make it more clear even in the, later in the section. He's saying, I am working. I'm here for this. I'm working with the express purpose to bring you to the Father. I'm doing, I am here because I want you to trust, not trust in me, trust in God, because I want you to trust in the destination that we're going. I want you to trust in the reality that I am doing everything in my power as God, because him and I are one, to bring you into the presence of the Father. He's like, trust me on that. That's what I'm doing. I'm leaving, yes, and you're, you're troubled by this circumstance, but I'm, but I'm working, I promise, to bring you to the Father. To bring you to him in a way that, that surpasses anything you could ever want or desire or begin to understand the glory and the majesty and the beauty of our Heavenly Father. Trust me. Trust the destination. And Thomas said to him, verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going. <laughs> How can we know the way? We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus has told them a handful of times <laughs> where, where he's going. And I think most commentators think that they just couldn't accept that he was going to die. They couldn't accept that he was going to leave as the Messiah who was gonna come and like bring in all of this wonderful kingdom. 
So in hindsight, it's easy for us because we know the whole story and we realize that we have the Holy Spirit to see that Jesus has risen from the dead, is seated on the throne, is ruling and reigning in his kingdom. He has all authority, he says, has been given to me. So we have all of that hindsight. But here we have humble Jesus saying, I am going to the cross. I am going to the Father. And they just can't accept it. So they're anxious. They're, they're troubled in their heart. And Jesus is saying, trust me, I am gonna bring you to the Father. And they're, they're, Thomas, I think, is legitimately like wrestling with this, saying, Lord, you're leaving us. You're telling us Peter is gonna deny you. We've talked about someone betraying us. How are we gonna follow? How are we gonna get there? What, what do I actually do? What does it mean to trust in you? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, don't just trust that I'm bringing you to this destination. Trust in me. So he says, trust in God, trust in me. He's like, I'm bringing you to the Father, but trust in me. I'm the means by which, I'm the method I'm the one you should trust in for getting there. How do we know the way? Jesus is the way. How do I get to the Father? Jesus ensures we get to the Father. You couldn't find the way. He's not merely an example that I say, oh, Jesus, you're, we just do what you do and then I will get to the Father. How would we do that? How would we have the ability to do that? Man, that would be, just, that's just depressing when we fail and we say, oh, now there's no way for me to get to the Father. How do I know how to get there? How can I trust you? And just like all the other I am statements, Jesus is like reorienting our thinking around him directly. Saying, I am the way. I die for my people. I raise up all of my people. I don't lose a single one of them. I am the king sitting on the throne. We, we just went through Hebrews. I am the one interceding. I'm the one who's enabling through the Holy Spirit for you to have a sense of God in his presence. I'm the one who's powerful to do all of these things so you could bask in the joy and beauty and wonder of God the Father. Amen. I do all the things. How many of our troubles in our hearts are just made worse because we put all the weight on ourselves? How many times do we feel more separate from God, less close to our Father, because we dropped the ball, because we fell into sin? You're not the way. Jesus is the way. There is no failure that could keep Jesus from connecting you to the Father. Amen. Yeah. He's saying, trust me. Trust me is the means to get you there. 
think when he says, the truth, he's not just saying, I have things to say that are factually correct. He speaks truth, of course he does. But if he's revealing God to us, if he's showing us who God is and what he's like, he is the, he is the standard by which everything that could be considered true has to be judged against. He is the truth. And he's saying, if I'm capable of bringing you to the Father, if I'm capable of having you have a sense of the beauty and the wonder and the joy of everything that you have from, from me reuniting you with God after the fall, like Jesus says, we're, it, there's an exchange, so now we have his righteousness and he's about to take on our sin on the cross. If I'm the way and I'm the one that's doing it, I'm also showing you what God is like and showing you, you how you can image me and draw closer to God. He's saying you giving yourself to others is God's character. This is what God, I'm showing you what God is like. You loving others like I have loved others is what God is like, is how you draw near to him. This is what brings you to the Father. I've made it possible and I've showed you exactly what that looks like so that you could have fellowship with God in peace and joy like I have, so that you could trust in God and trust in me as you're troubled. Life has come up a handful of times. Last week, we talked about him being the resurrection in the life. It's almost like he's summarizing a bunch of these things for his close friends. Their hearts are troubled, and he's trying to share with them what's important so that they can trust in him. He says, I am the life. I am the life. It's interesting, earlier in John, it says the life was the light of men. And I think life is a very complex, I mean, there's a lot to that. He, Jesus calls himself the fountain of life. Uh, in Acts, it says they, they, they crucified the author of life, the Lord of glory. So the author and the fountain of life, the life that's the light of men, he's saying anything and everything that makes you valuable and makes you who you are and makes you beautiful and wonderful is who I am. I make you worthy. I make you glorious so that you can be in the presence of God. I give you everything you need for life. And I don't even think we, we like, we can't, what is life without all the brokenness? Like we don't have like a category for that. What does it mean to be the author and fountain of life where there's nothing broken or nothing wrong? What's, the, what's a reality that we live in where there's no troubles? That's what Jesus is offering. He is the life. And I think about, think about your troubles. How much of our troubles are because we're pursuing life in something else? We're pursuing a form of beauty, a form of glory, a form of worth, and something outside of Jesus himself. 
just as much as he is our way, you and I cannot get to heaven on our own two feet. You know, as Paul would say, we, beginning in the spirit, we continue in the spirit too. We can't even be sanctified without the work of Jesus. Jesus has to, to move in us so that we even desire to draw near to the Father. If we want more of the glory and majesty of God, that's because Jesus as the way has worked that in you. But he's also the life. He's also revealing God to us because he is the source of everything that satisfies and makes us who we are. So much of our troubles come from pursuing something else for life. So much of our troubles come from from scrambling to get something in this world that we think gives us a form of life. And Jesus is saying, trust in God, trust in me. Not only am I the way, not only am I the standard by which you can judge all these things, but I'm satisfaction. I'm glory, I'm majesty, I'm everything you ever wanted or desires. I am the life And I think he expands on that in the next part of the verse. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. We talk about the story, um, and it's got the down arrows, the X, and the, the cross, and the arrow, and then another down arrow. We know that like God created everything good, right, and beautiful, and the X is where everything went wrong. The X is where they were cast out of God's presence, The X is where they could no longer enjoy the wonder and beauty and walk with God in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve could. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now I've made a way to bring you back into the presence of God so that you could have everything you ever wanted, so that you could be satisfied and have peace and have joy as you rest in God himself. And then he kindly says to Thomas, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I'm revealing God. This is what Jesus is sharing. (laughs) I like what Philip said. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. (laughs) Like if we could just experience and see God, we'd be happy. (laughs) Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? Do you not trust? Do you not rely on the fact that I'm the one who is revealing the Father, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. There's that word again, believe, verse 11, believe, trust. Trust me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else trust on account of the works themselves. He's talking to his friends and he's saying, I am getting you to the destination. Trust that I am bringing you to the Father. Trust that I'm also the way you get there. I provide the desire for you. I provide the satisfaction for you. I provide the atonement for you. I am the one, you don't have to worry. Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm the one that takes care of all of these things for you. And at the same time, I reveal the very God to you that you're saying you want to see because we're one.
I think it says an interesting thing at the end here. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Amen. Because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He's about to go up and talk about the Holy Spirit. So the reality that Jesus is on his throne and pours out his spirit means that there's a lot more that's gonna happen. It wasn't just 12 dudes, one of them left him, 11 dudes that trusted in Jesus to the end. He's raised from his throne, and now here we are on the other side of the globe as he has been ruling and reigning for 2,000 years, and we're worshiping him because of what, what was about to happen, what was coming, what the greater things that were coming. But he says, if you ask anything of the Father, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. When we think of name, I think we think of like label, you know? Like, what do I call, what do I call you? <laughs> you can be a terrible person, you can be a great person, but like, just tell me what I should call you. There's a lot more uh, kind of rooted in this idea of name. I, uh, a good sort of interpretation of that is, is, is reputation or character. Look at Psalm 86. I think I have a slide for this too, so this is a good example of what I mean by that. Because I think there's a, when we're troubled, when we're troubled, how many of us ask God for things? Like pretty, I mean, I feel like we ask God for more things when we're troubled. And we ask a lot. And you know, we always get it, right? The thing we ask for? <laughs> right, okay. So. so what is he saying here? I mean, Jesus says, if you ask in my name, he'll give it to you. Look at 86, uh, Psalm 86, verse 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, Yahweh, that's the, the I am name, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. When I say God, no one's like, ooh. Because <laughs> we're, we're not talking about the label. We're not talking about someone's name like we think of it. Teach my heart to fear who you are, your character. Be in awe of who you are. And he says, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God. With my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. Amen. We don't, we're not saying label like God. That was so genius. Uh, the, the two Hebrew words, El, such a, that's pretty sweet, you know, that's a mark, you know, marketing thing where it's like, that's the label and we're just gonna talk about how cool that is. He's saying, my character, <laughs> we will bask in and glorify who he is and his character and his beauty and his majesty and say, wow, the, the, the God, the name of God, the character of God that we worship is something that we could praise and bask in in awe and wonder for all eternity. Amen. So we go back to John and he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. I think this is a really good litmus test for us when we're troubled and we're asking for things. 
if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if he is the means by which all true aspects of God are measured, then our lives and our requests should be mirror and image our Savior. Because that's exactly what God looks like. Jesus Christ himself. When we're troubled, how often do our requests line up with the character of God? Who he is. What he desires. His plan to reveal himself to us. I think this is why James says, if you ask for wisdom with doubting, you're a fool, basically. Because you don't, you think that, that if you ask something consistent with what God wants to do in this world and who he is, he won't accomplish that? Of course he will. He wants to reveal himself to his people. I think a good example of this, someone told me recently that they're praying for something and they're like, well, if I'm gonna pray for something, I wanna commit to it. I'm gonna pray every day for this thing. Because if I really want this thing, I'm gonna pray every day for this thing. And this person said at the end of it, the time considering God ended up being the thing I needed the most. And I was like, savage, so true. (laughs) Jesus is telling us, I'm doing it all for you. (laughs) Trust me. I want to reveal the Father to you. I'm going to bring you to him. Trust me. And I think when we're troubled in our hearts, in our circumstances, we go back to the way, the truth, and the life. He's accomplished all the things. You can go to the Father. He's shown you who God's character is and what your life should image as one of his children. He's shown you what that looks like. And he didn't just show you what that looks like so you could sacrifice yourself for others without giving you life. He wants you to know the beauty and the glory of the fountain of life, of the author of life. He wants you to have that so you can rest in that and have joy. We are gonna have troubles. We have troubles. Life is troubling in our circumstances, in our hearts. But Jesus is saying, trust me, trust God. Let's pray. Father, um, we believe, but we need your help to help our unbelief. Lord, it's wonderful that your son in even his greatest hour of need would take time to comfort and encourage his friends. That's the kind of God you are. Help us trust you in that, Lord. Lord, we ask for wisdom with confidence when we are in troubles to consider who you are and what you're doing, Lord. We know that Jesus is on his throne, has sent his spirit, and is capable of bringing us into your presence, Lord. We confess that. And we ask for your help as we just wrestle with the difficult things in our lives so that we can have more trust in you. We can enjoy all the good and beautiful gifts you offer as you reveal the Father to us. 
thank you so much for this time and for um, just a chance to worship you today. And remember this again. In your name I pray, amen.